time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. And the Sports Spectacular is uh, up and going. Hope you're uh, having a great weekend. Larry Smith here. We've got Brad Sturdy and Mike Hegley joining shortly. Uh, hey, on deck, we've got a great show coming up. Kevin Brockway is going to join us from the Gainesville Sun to talk all things Gators. Uh, we'll kind of, again, do a little recap. We heard from uh, Mike Farrell last week, the godfather of recruiting. Uh, Kevin will give us an update right now on some of the um, roster movement to look ahead uh, to the football season, of course, spring football as well. Uh, as uh, basketball, which is where we start here. The Gators 0-2 in SEC play and trying to avoid going uh, to 0-3. Uh, coming up, taking on Arkansas. And uh, look, 10-5 and right now, 0-2 in conference. Um, and some tough games are still coming up. You go at number 5 Tennessee next week. That's on Tuesday. Uh, and so this is a crucial game this weekend right now for the Gators. They've got uh, a trip up to Lexington to take on uh, Kentucky on uh, the 31st. Uh, later on, uh, still Texas A&M, Auburn. Uh, Georgia's playing well. They're going to play the Dogs twice. So uh, this is a, a crucial uh, a, a stretch right now for Florida basketball, trying to get in that mix, that field of 68 coming up uh, here in March. Uh, also on the way, we've got uh, Jerry Palm coming up. Um, little bracketology, cbssports.com. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll end with, uh, we'll go outside uh, the realm, if you will, and we will uh, talk just a little bit about um, this weekend's playoff games. Well, joining us now to talk more about uh, all things Gators, he's back on the show. Happy New Year to Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun. Uh, hey, Kevin, how, how was your New Year's? Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, it was um, quiet and uneventful. I spent in Gainesville. I spent Christmas in New York with some family, though, which was nice. So uh, right. it's uh, good to be back in the grind, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's always nice to take a break, and then <laughs> after like two or three days, you're like, okay, I'm ready to get back to it. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk. Uh, let's start off with a little Gator football right now. Um, boy, it's been it's been a tough um, you know couple of weeks here, uh, especially with. Um, I, I thought one thing was seeing the uh, the kid that just uh, decommitted and went to. Uh, I'm sorry, that transferred and went to to, to Georgia. Oh yeah, yeah. Etn. Uh, that was certainly a blow, and uh, losing uh, Princely Uman Million uh, also to uh, Ole Miss. Uh, so you're talking about two pretty talented players. Uh, that being said, I do think that, uh, you know, uh, certainly they acquitted themselves uh, well with their signing class. Uh, and, and particularly, you know, there's a lot of hope because DJ Lagway is on campus. And uh, I think he represents the future, you know, five-star quarterback, uh, you know, played okay at the Under Armour game, left with a minor foot injury, but not nothing too serious. So He's here, and um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. You know, he was named Gatorade Player of the Year last week, High School Player of the Year. Um, and uh, with Graham Mertz coming back, he'll have a little bit of a bridge year. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Billy Napier at least throws him into some situations next year. He is a dual threat, unlike Mertz, so you can probably use him in some short yardage situations. He's a 6'2", 230-pound kid. Um, but, you know, watch him at the Under Armour game, um, as advertised, really quick release. Um, you know, fits the ball in tight windows. Uh, I think he's got a, a really bright future. That was my next question. With Napier's seat uh, will be hotter than ever uh, come August. I mean, we spent all this year talking about his future. This is now year three when people, some people who say two years is too soon, three years is enough time uh, for some to say, well, we need to see what's going on. Um, it feels like there would be some pressure to put him in situations and to try to play him, not replacing Mertz except for an injury but to get him in there as much as possible. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think if he shows promise when he plays, I think that's kind of a trump card that Billy Napier can use and saying the fact that, hey, look, you know, if you fire me, you're going to lose this kid. Um, so I think, you know, for him to play well and, and to come in in certain situations, I think, again, kind of represents the future, what Billy Napier is trying to build. And then maybe, I mean, even if he has a six and six record or so forth, uh, and listen, it's, it's a bear of a schedule next year, as you know, uh, right. beginning with the Miami Hurricanes, and you've got UCF on it uh, as well uh, in non-conference and FSU at the end of the year, um, plus uh, plus all the SEC games they've got. Um, you know, you can you can kind of you know maybe sell sell a fourth season. You know, and um, you bring that up. We have not talked to you since the schedule came out. Um, what was your reaction? What was the reaction in Gainesville when that? I mean, we talked about this season, right? The final, the gauntlet, the final game, five games of this season. It's the entire twenty four calendar uh, for for the Gators. It is just nuts. Yeah, and uh, I, especially at the back end. I yeah. mean, you look back end of the schedule. You know, you've got Texas on the road. You've got Georgia. Uh, you've got Ole Miss uh, coming to town, um, you know, and, and senior day. And then you've, you've got FSU. Um, I mean, that's a bear of a, of a back back schedule in LSU. I mean, it's going to be a tremendously difficult final five games. So I think they're definitely going to have to get off to a good start to build confidence. Um, there may be opportunities to do that. I mean, Miami is, is no picnic to start the year. Um, mm-hmm. But I think some of the earlier, you know, SEC uh, – games you know you've got a new coach in texas a&m and mike elko and they're coming here uh at mississippi state i think there'll be some opportunities early in the sec schedule uh to possibly get some wins and build some confidence but then you've got to back that up in the back end and of course stay healthy too which is uh and continue to build depth because uh you know that was a huge issue last year too losing shamar james who's your best defensive player um and yet nobody behind them um i mean the, the defense just kind of took a nosedive the second half of the season and I know fan bases, you know, get patient. Everyone wants to win right now, but um, boy, it just takes time. And I think that's one thing that if you're an administrator, you have to stop and weigh is, okay, yeah, we can make another change, but we're starting back at zero again, you know? And, and so you want to, to me, you've got to give, um, and we were discussing another program that has had, um, you know, a, a lot less success than Florida over the past four decades, um, you know, and you don't keep changing coaches every three or four years. You just don't, that doesn't help. They haven't, they haven't had a coach that lasted more than a decade since like 1960 or something. And it's no wonder. Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about this, Larry? I mean, I go back to, you know, it took Billy Donovan 10 years to win his first national championship last night, Jim Harbaugh. It took eight years. Right. Yeah. So, um, some, I, I think sometimes schools that weathered the storm a little bit in those early years can be rewarded. Uh, if you stick with it, you know, just from the sake of continuity and then also, you know, Coaches growing into it and coaches learning as well. And and you're exactly right. You know, four years ago, Harbaugh was on the hot seat, right? Before he began this run of three straight Big Ten titles. And now they've got that national championship. And now all of a sudden, he's the hottest coach in on the globe when it comes to football. I mean, he can, <laughs> you know, stay in Ann Arbor, make $10 million a year. He can go to the NFL, make $10 million a year. I mean, he's got the world, uh, you know. Yeah, he's got it in his palm of his hands. Because there's something he's else. Got a first question methods there, but uh, he does have his national championship at least for now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a Super Bowl, even though he didn't win, he's got a Super Bowl too. That's rarefied air right there. Let's talk uh, Gators basketball. Um, tough SEC opener against Kentucky. This is a game that was right there. 
Um, you know, I, my takeaway is that obviously you can always look at film and say, well, you can do this and that better. And that's always a long list for any team, regardless of, of what you're doing. Um, I thought this was, I think this is a, a pretty good Kentucky team. Um, and, and I thought this was a, a game that even though you lose, um, you can, you can take away and say, okay, we've got the goods to compete and, and get to the NCAAs in March. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, Todd has built a pretty good team in the second season in terms of, uh, you know, a really solid eight man rotation. You would just love to see him finish. Right. I think they led for about 30 minutes in that game, 28 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, down the stretch, um, you know, um, made a few mistakes. Second half, uh, really the start of the second half, too. They were up eight and they couldn't really seize that momentum. You know, you shoot eight for 20 from three in the first half, but only one of 11 in the second half and had opportunity to maybe knock down some open ones. But that being said, you know, I, I think this is a big week because, you know, they go to Ole Miss and, and Ole Miss was was trounced uh, pretty soundly by Tennessee. Um, so we'll see if their confidence is shaken a little bit after their great start. And then uh, you've got Arkansas at home, another team that was trounced by Auburn. So this is I think this is an opportunity to, uh, you know, really get right this week for Florida. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, listen, Todd, you know, he's in his second year. Um, you know, when, when you're, you know, you, much like football and basketball, you, when you're trying to build something, sometimes it takes time. But two and seventeen against quad one opponents, you gotta, I think, you know, against the big time schools, um, you know, find a way to finish a little better, especially when you're on your home floor. And I'm, I'm sure this is a, a definitely a learning opportunity for him and his staff. Yeah, and 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 to your point, this is a, a big week. Like you said, Ole Miss was undefeated. But there were some questions in terms of their opponents. Well, you know, they got exposed, right? So, but that's still um, a team that uh, brings a good resume. So that would look good on Florida's resume come March. Um, and then he said Arkansas, the same thing with what they have done. Um, it would be good to get a couple of wins here before heading into Knoxville and Thompson Bowling uh, to take on the Vols next week. Yeah, no question. I think this is an important week because of that, because, you know, you're going to Thompson Bowling and I think, you know, I look at the three teams in the SEC right now, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn, uh, all look really, really good. And they're the three top 25 teams. And uh, I think Alabama's kind of lying in the weeds, too. They've got a lot of talent as well. Um, but it's going to be tough night in and night out. And uh, you've got to kind of come with that, uh, you know, mental focus. And uh, I think uh, every night in this league, uh, because it's really, um, I'm sure you've seen it in the last decade, really gotten so much better, the coaching uh the talent that they're attracting in this league. And this could really be an eight or nine bid league. I think I was going to say that was my boy. You and I are always simpatico when we talk, as I was going to say the same thing in terms of getting to March. Um, you mentioned the big three, but you've got, like you said, Ole Miss has been ranked. Texas A&M has been ranked uh, Alabama. You shouldn't sleep on it. We know what Arkansas brings. I mean, you're right. This isn't the SEC that maybe you and I, I'm older than you, but you and I grew up yep. with. Um, this is a, this is a league right now that, um, and it's only getting stronger next year that you've got eight, nine, 10 teams that are really solid um, year in, year out. It's no longer where you can just say, well, you got a couple teams and beat the rest every single night. It's, it's like the AC, what the ACC was and what the big 10 is in a lot of years. It's, it's a big challenge every night. Yeah. And look at what uh, Lamont Paris is doing in South Carolina, what Mike yeah. White's doing in Georgia. I mean, it's true. Like I said, you know, you, you've got to, I think there will be a lot of parity in this league. So it's, it's going to be important for Todd, but I do think that what they have going for him, they've got depth, they've got size. Um, and uh, Zion Poland has been playing really well the last month, uh, the point guard. Uh, yeah. and he's been terrific. And uh, if they can get Riley Kugel kind of straightened out, I, he played pretty well off the bench 
in that game against Kentucky. He kind of had a bad turnover at the end of the game. Uh, but he's another guy with tremendous talent that uh, I think the fact that Florida's got about eight guys that could start on a lot of SEC teams uh, you know, in their rotation uh, will bode well for them throughout the stretch. Yeah, I love the, that hire when uh, they made it after his big run in the uh, NCAA a couple of years ago. And I think that, you know, there's you know bright things ahead uh, this season and beyond. Hey, Kevin, we'll let you go. We appreciate it. Again, uh, many all the blessings to you in 2024. We can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, same to you, Larry. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Okay, Kevin Brockway, again, of the Gainesville Sun, joining us now with all things Gators. And again, a big weekend for the basketball team. You mentioned Ole Miss after Arkansas. And then uh, next week on Tuesday, they go up and take on number five, Tennessee, in the Vols. So tough when they play there at Thompson Bowling Arena. We've got more to come. Stay with us right here. Back on uh, on the show here, and my, my guy, college hoops. Let's talk some college hoops. We had a wild night Tuesday, right? Uh, Tuesday night, you saw number one Purdue go into Nebraska and look like they had not played basketball ever um, at times. And then you they had some of the worst offensive possessions I think we've ever seen. And then you had number two Houston go into Iowa State. And they fall 57-53, and they look like they did not know what offense was either. The over-under on that game was 129.5. They scored 110 points combined. Definitely a defensive struggle. It's um, Is this just college basketball? You know, the, the one that surprises you is Nebraska. Now, they have their good record, you know, going into the non, you know, coming out of non-conference. But I think they're building something there, and and obviously Purdue getting caught there. Their role players, who played such a key role in, you know, slipping past the Fighting Illini uh, last week, and and this this case, the rest of the team just didn't seem to come ready to go, and and Purdue found out that that you you have to play every night and and you can't just take it take an evening off and boy that really hurt you know um you're looking at players like um trey kaufman wren who went from 23 points to zero points in 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 back-to-back games that's just that's that's the part of the growth process that these younger players are going to have to get past during the regular season where they can play consistently or you're set up for another upset in the NCAA tournament. So you're picking 16 over one again. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No, I, and it's I, hard I to know. know, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a concern for Purdue. They're obviously very good, but um, they, they definitely have had times when they're, they're role guys, when they don't get enough from ED and teams take them away, those role guys, when they're really, when they're good, Purdue's almost impossible to beat, as we've seen. They have a huge, even with their their current resume is still fantastic when you look at the wins they have. But they also have shown that they can struggle against teams they probably should be able to beat, especially on the road. We've seen them play two road games in the Big Ten and come up short twice, right? So um, in those games. Uh, another team, you know, the, how about, is it blue, are the Blue Bloods back? Kentucky, Duke. They're back on top. They've got, you know, Kentucky is 
Now, uh, you know, looking there in the number six, Duke is rolling. I mean, they look like they were playing against a junior high team when they played Pitt the other night. Um, they're in the, you know, number 11. You know, these Blue Bloods, North Carolina is back after a, what was a, you know, disastrous season a year ago. Can Connecticut, good. Is it our Blue Bud season back in, uh, back in vote? I think, I think you're going to see, um, while, NIL and the transfer portal is going to spread the talent out. I think your blue bloods and your teams that have the bigger NIL generating programs are going to have an advantage in terms of either a choosing how they want to spend the money, whether that's on, you know, top 20 recruits, whether that's on the best out of the portal. And I think you're going to see some of those blue bloods be able to reload a little quicker, a little easier because they have a little more spending money. And let's face it, they got some cachet on the market. You know, a call, you know, a kid has got to be excited if he's like, I'm going to transfer to Kentucky versus if he's going to decide, do I transfer to Colorado State? Yes. Well, that's, that's fair. Kansas, I didn't even mention Kansas and their role in their 31. The analytics don't love the Jayhawks, though. I mean, like, it seems like they're, you look at Pomeroy and Torvik and all these computer models, they're down in the, like 15th range of the net. But then when you look at them in, you know, pool, they're, they're you know, they, they only had one loss, you know. So it's pretty impressive uh, to see the Blue Bloods like this. From the mid major ranks, everybody's darling from last season was Florida Atlantic. The Owls switch conferences to go into a different conference, and suddenly they've lost to Florida Gulf Coast. They've lost to Florida Atlantic. Losing to Illinois is not not a that's obviously one of those that's not a bad loss at all. But they just don't look like that team that is clicking that we saw at the end of the year. They have a great win over Arizona too, but they lost to Bryant. Um, man, I I don't know. This team just doesn't look the same. I I agree with you and. You know, the the defensive effort that they put out there um, night in and night out, they, they've got a good team, but yet at the same time, you know, you, you're seeing them give up some games with more points than what you would anticipate. So I, I don't know if it's that step up in quality. I can tell you that, you know, when Houston got upset by Iowa State, I think being in the Big 12, is a step up and they're going to have to adapt to the, to the level of, of conference that they're in. And I think even Florida Atlantic is going to have to get used to that increase. And of course they've got a, the other thing is they've got a huge bullseye painted on them because people now they're not going to sneak up on anybody. It's like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get a hold and see if we can scalp them and put that up that trophy up on our wall. And that's a lot different than, F-A-U, what does that stand for? <laughs> uh, F-A-U, yeah. And, and, you know, they don't have a great... The, the Arizona win's going to really be big for them, but they can't have many bad losses yeah. moving down this this season. Because really, outside of Memphis, there's nobody in their conference you go, wow, that's a huge win. So it's uh, Florida Atlantic really has to take care of business and conference play if they want to get where they want to go in the NCAA tournament. College and, and, and we're Mike, we're just starting conference play. Well, and, and think about it real quick before we wrap here, but the bottom line is, is look at Wichita State. You know, they had one of the most, uh, the, the best programs move up into a different conference, and now they're a middle-of-the-road of the team. But the, these, these conference changes are not as uh, easygoing as people think they are, and 
next year, it could be teams like Oklahoma and Texas and USC and Oregon and Washington that hit bumpy roads in their conference affiliation change. I'm not certain that when they signed up to change conferences that they thought of that. Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're college hoops. Man, it's fun. Great time of year. We'll be back right after this. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800 How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. Joining us now for the first time in 2024, back on the show, he is the senior writer of CBSSports.com, Jerry Palm. Jerry, happy new year to you. Happy new year to you, too. How was, I got to ask, uh, I'm sure you were in the house in Mackey Friday night. Was there ever a moment yeah. you were concerned as that they made that comeback? Um, yeah, because the officiating was really random in that game. And so I didn't, I wasn't worried about Purdue doing their part. I was worried about the officials doing something stupid. Um, and when I say that the, the officiating was bad, it was bad for both teams. Um, you know, like, uh, Sackey's first foul was a phantom foul. Um, they, they get the Lance Jones on a flagrant foul, which was not really one of the options available to them on replay. I mean, yes, obviously they could have replayed that, but that was also pretty ridiculous. But then, so they get the two free throws, Illinois does, and then they get the ball back and they call Coleman Hawkins, I believe it was, for traveling when he didn't travel. It, it, there were at least two or three travels in that game um, that weren't traveling calls. And uh, you know, Illinois probably suffered more from that than Purdue did. Um, yes, the officiating was not great uh, either way. Um, so 
you always worry about what the refs are going to do when they're not having a good night. Um, oh, Coleman Hawkins should have been teed up for all of the demonstrative behavior. Um, you don't see very many refs let you get away with that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, I'm not the ref. Um, I was the ref, not at that level ever, obviously, <laughs> but I just did high school ball. But that was one of the things we were taught is, you know, if you can't calm them down, tee them up, that'll yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing Coleman that hurt him with NBA scouts is what, you know, we're learning when he tested the waters last summer um, and probably get that under control. Fantastic player, but it yeah, doesn't... he's great. Yeah. Yeah. When the, the, the play at the end of the first half, you fouled him. It wasn't, it wasn't a flop. Oh yeah. And not only that, he stuck around the teams are in the locker room and he's still out talking to the ref and it's the same guy, the same ref, not making all of the bad calls, but that Coleman Hawkins is talking to all four times. He gets demonstrative with the ref. It's the same guy. And yeah, you know, if you're sticking around halftime to argue about an obvious call, then, you know, it's it's time to, it's time to uh, put him in his place. And they just never did. And you, know, you can lose control of a game that way. Now they didn't. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's just one of the many examples of a poorly officiated game. It's funny every year, and here we are already, right? The first, you know, first week, second week of 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 the new year, and we're already talking about the referees. What is it about the Big Ten um, and the issue of refereeing? I mean, every year it comes up where there's just some real obvious calls, and we're not just picking. Yeah. And to your point, there were calls on both ways. This is not just yeah. one side. Yeah, of bad officiating is rarely one sided. Um, yeah. Fans always think it's one sided, but bad officiating is rarely one sided. Um, I was at the home Nebraska game for Purdue last year, and I had great seats. I was not in the press area. I had a buddy of mine who had tickets, and I was sitting basically behind Fred Hoiberg. And um, so I got a real good look at the refs, and I actually got to hear them speaking sometimes. And it they, that's like the worst officiated game I think I have ever seen in the Big Ten, and I've seen a lot of Big Ten basketball. And Purdue benefited more from the bad officiating than Nebraska did. It was just horrible, and there was it seemed like that there was one guy on that crew whose job it was to apologize to the coaches when one of the other guys did something stupid. <laughs> and that and he spent a lot of the game doing that, and it was just you know now this game the Purdue Illinois game wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, but this, this, that crew did not exactly cover themselves in glory that day. Yeah. And once again, we hope the big 10 can get this figured out with all the money coming in, everything going on. Let's, let's uh, get this worked out. Officiating is a problem everywhere. And it starts at the grassroots level where there are people are having a hard time getting, uh, people to actually take up officiating sure. because parents are jerks and you only will put up with so much of that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's well well stated. Um, we want to get into a little bracketology with you, of course. Obviously, Purdue at the top as they should be. Um, I think Purdue is the best team in the country, and I don't see anything out there um, that's going to change my mind anytime soon. Um, you know, obviously Houston undefeated, even though they play, um, you know, now playing in the Big Twelve. Um, what a challenge for them this year. You know, they've they've Kelvin Sampson said a love him or hate him has done a great job of of rebuilding that program into a powerhouse down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now I think they're undefeated, but now they're in the Big Twelve, right? So I mean, yes. you know, there's some there's some bigger challenges ahead. Um, and so far, again, we're early and in, in in the new year in 2024, they they're answering the challenge so far. Yeah, well, and they haven't really got into conference play 
you know, yeah, there's been a, maybe a game or two, but they haven't hit the, the the better teams in that league. I think they travel to Iowa State this week, which is a really tough place to play. Uh, and that game might be played in the 40s because those are two of the best defensive teams in the country. And uh, that, it'll, that'll be an interesting challenge. But, yeah, going through the grind of a Big 12 schedule is going to be a lot different than going through the American where you might have one or two other teams that could challenge you, like Memphis, for example, was always a pretty reliable challenger for Houston. Uh, but this league, you know, before they added these four teams, they had seven or eight teams competing for NCAA tournament spots out of 10 pretty much every year. So now they might still have seven or eight or nine teams competing for NCAA tournament spots. But when you're playing teams like that, at least once a week, sometimes twice, that's a lot more of a grind than going through the American where you can, you have, you're going to have a lot of guys where you can rest players. Yeah. Look at your uh, your latest bracketology. Again, this is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com uh, that you got here on there. And you know I'm on your site a dozen times a day. I mean, I, it's probably my top bookmark. Um, obviously, your top line, Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn, no surprise defending champs. You've got Wisconsin on your two line. What impresses you about the Badgers at this point? Yeah, it's, it's you know, part of that is it's just the way college basketball is going. But Wisconsin has got, you know, three good losses. Uh, Arizona, Tennessee, Providence. Providence may come back to the pack a little bit with the injury to, I think his name is Hawkins. Hawkins um, yeah. He's out for the year, and that, that's obviously a big blow to them. But they won at Michigan State. They beat Marquette. You know, they beat SMU. Might be a tournament team. We'll find out. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, and Virginia. So, you know, they've picked up some pretty decent wins, don't have any bad losses. And this time of year, that can get you in the top ten. Um, well, and you know, two seed is five through eight. So, um, yeah, Wisconsin has done a pretty good job and, you know, so far has failed to do something stupid. And then this time of year, there's a lot to be said for not doing something stupid. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Um, and I, boy, what a job Greg Gard has done taking over for Bo Ryan every year. We say, yeah, but this is the year it's going to blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And they come out. It never and happens, does it? It never happens. Yeah. He finds a way to get it done. And, and, and maybe one of the most overlooked uh, coaching jobs today in, in in the in college basketball uh you mentioned marquette you've got them as a two seed as well um the warriors kind of the warriors i'm showing my age <laughs> i do that sometimes too <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you, you can tell we're old school when we're still whipping out warriors when talking exactly. about marquette. exactly reminiscing about al mcguire so uh you know <laughs> throw my head but yeah you're exactly um are, are they had a couple of losses here lately are they a team that may be on the decline right now or what's going on with marquette no, I just they've got a tough schedule. Uh, they lost at Seton Hall this week, uh, which which was after that bracket came out, uh, which would probably move them down. But they've beaten you know Illinois uh, on the road. They beat Kansas um, neutral, Creighton in the league, a very good team. They're going to get other real good challenges in their league. They're one of the favorites in that league, um, so they're they're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities to continue to stack quality wins. And if that Seton Hall loss is their worst conference loss. They're not going to have any problems at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the ACC because this is a, a, a conference that obviously we know, I won't say dominated college basketball, but certainly you could make an argument, the premier conference in college basketball for a very long time. Um, you know, the big three uh, coaches have now retired in William Krzyzewski and, and now Bayheim. Um, it, it 
do you see this league coming back with all the changes going on? Uh, we may have more changes on the horizon, not to just in future with maybe Florida state trying to get out and maybe that may open the door and the floodgates for some other teams to leave. Um, what is it right now about the ACC and how do they kind of get that mojo back overall as, as a league? Yeah. Well, better players, you know, better coaches is how you do that. There's no substitute for uh, better players and coaches, you know, so Duke and uh, Carolina had an off year last year. Uh, but, you know, those two teams are still the the bellwether programs in that league. And everybody else just kind of comes and goes. So, you know, Miami's had a couple of good years. They're coming back a little bit. Clemson looks like they're having a good year. Uh, Virginia has had some great years, but now they've come back to the pack a little bit. And it's just kind of, you know, inconsistency in quality behind Duke and Carolina. And lately, I mean, you know, Syracuse, was a big name and they've dropped off. Louisville has fallen into the abyss. Uh, that's another, you know, big time program that, you know, I don't know when they're coming back. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of rebuilding going on behind Duke and Carolina. And I, I would guess Clemson and Miami will probably end up tournament teams this year, but they may not go much farther than four deep this year in the NCAA tournament. Nobody has really picked up the big wins, you know, outside the league this year. Um, except, you know, uh, Clemson, you know, they beat Alabama, they beat TCU when they were undefeated. That was in Toronto, um, and Duke, but there's just not a lot of big time wins in this league this year outside of some of these other games and non-conference play. And that's really where the league makes, uh, its name and how it builds up, uh, the ability to have good tournament resumes. Yeah. Talking with Jerry Palm at CBSSports.com. Again, uh, the leading bracketologist. We love all the work that he's done uh, over all the years. Um, and I think that's a great point as well, that one thing the ACC, the strength the ACC had was that, um, one, the, the big boys, Duke and North Carolina, played a great non-conference schedule, but also you had those wins in conference. With the mega conferences now, you can't guarantee getting those signature wins in conference play that's going to get you over the hump on selection Sunday. And, and, and even in some ways, I mean, again, Duke and Carolina still play those teams. Right. When you get a conference play, if, if you are a Clemson, if you are a, a wake forest or a pit, you may only have one crack at getting right. that for win. And if you don't get it, you're NIT bound or, or going yeah. home. Duke and Carolina will always play each other twice. I'm sure. I don't know what their scheduling formula is, but you know, Duke and Carolina will probably always play each other twice. Uh, but then for everybody else, maybe you get a shot at it. Maybe you don't. Um, you know, so unless somebody is out making hay in non-conference play and establishes itself as a NCAA tournament contender, uh, a contender to get in the tournament, but you're, yeah, you're scheduled. It's uh, that league is already what 15 and are going to add three more, uh, for basketball. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to play one game against most of the teams in your league. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's asking a lot. I mean, it's uh, when your conferences get that big and you're playing so few round, you know, double, uh, you know, home and homes. It's uh, I think it's really tough to judge these teams. And then you get to the conference tournament, you might get another game or two if you get far enough along. Uh, but, you know, if you don't get far enough along, you might not even get a game that helps you there. And that becomes problematic when it's time to, to try and make the NCAA tournament. But the ACC is not alone there. The big 10 is much bigger than 10 going to be 18 next year. The Big 12 is up to, what, 14, going to add four more, so they're going to be 18. Uh, the Big East is maintaining, and that's still a major conference in college basketball. Nobody thinks about them. Pac-12 is going away, but 
um, it's uh, you've got a lot of conferences who will not be teams in conferences that are going to be bubbly kinds of teams that really have to do well outside the league because they may not get too many opportunities inside the league. No, I totally agree. And even SEC is going up with the addition of their two. So they'll be yep. at 16 or something. So, and I think it's, it's what we saw with the big East back in the two thousands. And if you remember, you know, 2009 where everyone Louisville won the big East regular season and tournament title. It was like, Oh my, this is the best team. Well, they didn't the, of the other top three teams in the conference. They played like twice combined. Yep. Right. So how do you gauge these teams? And I think that's where mm-hmm. it will create much more drama in March, which you it and will. I love. It'll be hard for the selection committee. Yeah. If these teams are are not getting or winning good non-conference games, it's going to be harder for the selection committee to sort out the wheat from the chaff in the in the big conferences um, if there's not a lot of opportunities. But, you know, strength of schedule is one of their things. So if they don't go play good non-conference schedules and that league doesn't give them a good schedule, now you could have a gaudy record and nothing behind it. Yeah, and we've seen that happen. Syracuse is a team I know a couple times that Bayheim would whine about. I'm like, well, you know, you had five losses outside the top hundred, and you didn't play anybody, so you played right. Brown twice in December. Yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse is a team that was left out at least twice in the years that I've been doing this. Yeah, mostly because their non-conference schedule was crap, and they didn't do well enough in the league to make up for it. Yeah, and didn't play those those teams that are going to give you a good yeah. resume bump. It's happened your- to Alabama twice too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts. Um, it's it's early January. So much is going to change in the next two months. Who's a team out there that 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 we should watch that really hasn't made a lot of national noise yet, but is a team to be to be reckoned with? Um, let's see. I guess I'm really curious to see what Oregon's going to do. Hmm. Um, Oregon has been playing without Folly Conte. He's supposed to be coming back. That's a really talented big. That's going to change what they can do. If he can come back soon, get established, and then they get into conference play, that's a team that has a chance to come from pretty much nowhere right now. They're not dead, but they're not, you know, they're not really looking like a tournament team to a team that could could run through its conference, do pretty well, and possibly earn not just in that large bid, but maybe even crack the top 25 by the end of the season. Okay. All right. We'll leave it at that. Jerry Palm, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Jerry Palm. Again, senior writer, CBSSports.com, and he is the father of bracketology. Be sure to go to CBSSports.com. Check out those picks. Uh, again, he's constantly changing it. I probably click on this like once a day <laughs> to see just what Jerry's been thinking. So, all right, take care, uh, Jerry. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. And we've got more coming up after this. Stay with us. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 
That's 800-373-8414. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. All right, fellas, NFL regular season is over. Playoffs are here. Uh, let's take a look at some of the top games. Um, a game that's really intriguing, uh, Dolphins and Chiefs. You know, Miami had a chance to win the division. Uh, they fall in the finale uh, to the Bills last weekend, and now they go out and play the Chiefs. Um, you know, I don't know how they do lately. Of course, they've made the playoffs that much lately, but back in the day, the Shula Marino days, Miami never did well in the cold weather. And I, I just feel like this is one of the Chiefs have had their struggles, but you've got to figure they've, you know, they've got the huge advantage in this one. It's supposed to be like temperatures like zero, right? And uh, at Arrowhead. Yeah. One, one degree. I think it's going to be above zero, like all the way to one, Larry. It's going to oh. be more warm. Right. Uh, no. Yeah. This is wild. I mean, you think about it like, you know, Tua, I think their quarter Miami quarterback Tua is uh, from uh, Hawaii, right? And then he played at Alabama and then now he's at Miami. And so this is not what he signed up for. So, so I think it's going to be interesting because it, it does that, that Miami defense is, is kind of broken up though, regardless of who they have, but this is going to be, uh, you know, I, I think the dolphins beat up on some weak teams this year. I don't think they, uh, you know, were as good. I think this is going to be a tough one for them because yeah, I think the chiefs offense against that Miami defense will have some success. Yeah, I, I think it's the cold weather. You know, Tua just doesn't do the greatest in bad weather. And I, I think this is going to be a tough one for him. Plus, the the Chiefs will probably have the Taylor Swift advantage. Um, and, and of course, people, I believe, will have to watch this game on Peacock, which will be the first ever yeah. NFL streaming playoff game. And, boy, I've got a couple buddies in Kansas City, and they are angry men. And then I had to break it to them. It's still on their local station. And then they got, a, they were okay very quickly. You know what this is, what this is a preview of? The 2024 12 team college football playoff. SET, SEC teams may have to go north. And oh, that'd be great. In Columbus or State College or Norman. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Cleveland at Houston. Intriguing matchup. I mean, I think the Texans, how can you not root for the Texans? Uh, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. Um, uh, and they were horrible in 2022. They come back and, um, uh, and make the playoffs. Great, great story. I'm Flacco for the Flacco to the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. There so, you go. No, give me Joe Flacco. That's an even, that might be an even better story. Yeah. Uh, what Joe Flacco has done in Cleveland. I mean, we wrote them off, you know, I, there are two teams, the AFC, we wrote off a few weeks back, uh, Buffalo and Cleveland. And, and here we are. And they're both, they both won, won, won 11 games, won one, or both won 11 games. I mean, this is like, a, yeah, it's pretty fun. 
yeah, I, you feel for Cleveland Browns fans, so I, I kind of want them to win. At the same time, I really enjoy watching C.J. Stroud. So uh, for me, I think in, in this particular case, I'm going to go with Cleveland, but either team I enjoy, so I, I'll be okay. I think it's, it's a fun matchup, and you're right, a lot of great storylines. Uh, we're not going to talk about um, uh, Deshaun Watson, by the way, heading back down to Houston uh, and all the masseuses um, skipping the game. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, stay deep in the heart of, sorry, Green Bay at Dallas, uh, the Cowboys. Hey, listen, Mike's a big Cowboy fan. For once, the Cowboys actually come through and live up to the preseason hype. Uh, that's what I was really excited about this team. I thought Dak Prescott had a great season. And how about CeeDee Lamb? I did not know that no Cowboy receiver had ever led the NFL in receptions. And yet CeeDee Lamb got it done with all those great receivers. CeeDee Lamb is the man. I, yeah, I think Dallas, their regular season lived up to expectations, but I don't think it matters unless you win in the playoffs here and they're favored, but this is a green Bay team that actually is, uh, is, is solid and they're going to give them run for their money. I, I, but I like the Cowboys here. I like the Cowboys because they're at home. The uh, only team I believe in the NFL who was undefeated at home this season, but there's also the X factor of the Cowboys in the playoffs. And <laughs> when you haven't done anything in the playoffs for nearly 26, 27 years, that means they've got potential, Mike. Potential. <laughs> Expectations are not high, but <laughs> let's hope, let's hope they can make it to the NFC championship game. Listen, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, from the, the chant of you know, the Chicago Cubs, wait till next year, next year, finally here, for the Detroit Lions, baby, the Lions. Uh, last NFL championship was back almost a decade before the Super Bowl was created. Uh, Eisenhower was in the White House. That's how long it's been. Only one playoff win since then, but even the quarterback of that team, Eric Kramer, told us you know, earlier here in the show a few weeks ago, he thinks that this year Jared Goff will do this. So the two teams who swapped quarterbacks a couple of years ago uh, now will meet in Detroit, the Rams and the Lions. This is actually a really good matchup. I know the Rams don't get enough publicity for how well they've played in the second half of the season. They've actually been quite good, and and they've got obviously you know we forget that a couple of years ago they were hoisting the uh, Lombardi Trophy. So this is they've got a lot of guys who won. Um, this is a tough matchup for Detroit, but uh, you know they're at home, so it should be fun. I, I think this is awesome. It's awesome for Detroit too. It's a tough matchup, but I, I really like this this game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Detroit on this one, but but I do think it it will. Be, Dan Campbell is just an exciting type of guy, and he's going to come in. His team's going to be sky high. You know, I like to watch Kirby Joseph, so I, I'm going to be rooting for them. But I do think this this should be an exciting matchup, and I think it's one of those that'll go down to the very end. Yeah. Did Brad? Did the Brad Allen officiating crew get this game? How did that work? <laughs> yeah. I think they were banned from the playoffs and they missed the cut, right? <laughs> I, I think they did, but yeah. I wonder Dan Campbell was probably hoping they didn't make it, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that, that officiating crew costing the Lions uh, the win against uh, the Cowboys uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, here. it depends on how you look at it. Well, they did. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a two point conversion. Let's that's just how we look at it. Yeah. That's right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> With crystal clear glasses. That's how we that's how we look at it. So exactly right. Fellas, before I let you go, give me one team to upset the weight of the Super Bowl from both conferences. Who do you like? Man, I, I actually to that could upset. I, I wouldn't pick them. I, I think San Francisco is going in the NFC, but the team that I think could do it is the is the Rams. I mean, they're they would be my team that I think could do it in the AFC. 
Um, the upset, I, I'm a right now my favorite in the ASC. Everybody's talking about Baltimore. I think it's Buffalo. They're my favorite, but I think the upset team is Cleveland. The Flacco, Super Bowl champion quarterback, baby. Love yeah, I, I'll agree with the Flacco because I think there's a there's there's a, a certain need that you have for a quarterback who can play well when you need him to, and he's been through this grind before. In the NFC, I, I'm going to say the upset team is Dallas because nobody expects them to go that far, and I'll be shocked as well, but they have the talent to go that far. I'm going to join you on that bandwagon so you're not all alone by yourself, and besides, Lightning has to to strike at some point, right? You got to catch in the bottle at some point. I, no? I used to think waiting from 77 to 92, that 15 years was intolerable, but little did I know what was in store after 1995. Uh, exactly. Dallas Cowboy football fan and Illini football fan. You are all about patience, Mike. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. It didn't used to be when it came to the Cowboys, but old Jerry. There you go. Got a big stadium, but no wins. Hey, we got to run. We are out of time. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks to everybody who came on to the show. We'll see you next week. Same station, same time. Take care. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular.